When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833 833- 995 gold that's 833-995-GOLD, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Pure Talk, the cell phone service my family relies on, is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Unlimited talk, text, plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Go to puretalk.com slash clay and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash clay and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can have more money to travel with this summer. As we gear up for the biggest year in politics, one thing we can all do now is start voting with our wallets. By supporting brands and companies that share your values, you're sending a message. It's like buying a team jersey, and we're on Team Sanity. Our sponsors are, too. So before we get behind the candidates, let's get behind the people, our people. Every day, men and women who have started businesses across the country, people just like you and me. Support a Clan Buck sponsor and let your voice be heard. The more of us that support them, the louder our collective voice becomes. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in Thursday edition, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. I appreciate all of you hanging out with us as we power through I gotta be honest with you, 2024 already feels crazy to me, Buck, and what are we, 11 days into the calendar so far? You got craziness happening everywhere, every direction. I know a lot of you last night watched Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis on CNN. A lot more of you, I think, probably watched Donald Trump on Fox News, uh, with his town hall in Iowa. We will talk about both of those, uh, our takeaways, but, Yesterday, and we've talked about this for some time on the show, that there was no pathway for Chris Christie to win, and that if he truly is basically uh, in a Donald Trump attack mode, which is the entire basis, let's be honest, for his candidacy, that if that were his goal, and clearly it was, that at this point he is becoming a hindrance towards potentially Nikki Haley being able to win in New Hampshire because just look at the polling, pretty much everybody who's voting for Chris Christie would otherwise be supporting Ron DeSantis, or even more likely, I think, probably Nikki Haley. Certainly those are not, I would think, Trump voters, although 
the way voters make their decisions, probably a couple of percent of Chris Christie voters will actually end up voting for Donald Trump in the primary, even though it doesn't make logical sense. But yesterday evening, I think it was about 5 o'clock Eastern, shortly after this program ended, while Sean Hannity was on, uh, Chris Christie made the decision to end his presidential campaign. This is what it sounded like. I've always said that there came a point in time in this race where I couldn't see a path to accomplishing that goal that I would get out. And it's clear to me tonight that there isn't a path for me to win the nomination, which is why I'm suspending my campaign tonight for President of the United States. It's the right thing for me to do, because I want to promise you this. I am going to make sure that in no way do I enable Donald Trump ever be president of the United States again. And that's more important than my own personal ambition. Okay, so Chris Christie goes out. Then, Buck, I don't know if this happened right beforehand or right after, but this almost immediately overshadowed the actual announcement. Supposedly, Chris Christie was caught on a live mic saying this. People don't want to hear it, Wayne. They don't want to hear it. We know we're right. But they don't want to hear it. Right. And, and there's, you know, we couldn't have been any clearer. Right. We couldn't have been any more, any more direct or worked any harder. So, you know. forget she spent 68 million. Yeah. I mean, well, when you give land to China and places like that. Yeah, that's what you get. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, she spent 68 million so far, just on TV. Spent 68 million so far, 59 million by DeSantis. And we spent 12. Yeah. I mean, who's punching above their weight and who's getting a return on their investment, you know? And she's going to get smoked. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. She's still 20 points behind Trump in the Hampshire, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's going to, he's still going to carry out, right? Yes. Always. I, t- you know, I talked to De- DeSantis calling me petrified so that I would. He's probably getting out of it after Iowa. Well, okay. So. That's pretty good stuff, by the way. Pretty yeah. good stuff in there. Do you remember real quick, Clay? You were a West Wing guy, right? Back in the day, oh, you yeah. watch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I watched remember, West Wing. Remember yeah. the, the hot mic moment when President uh, Bartlett says of some guy he doesn't like that he's a 22 caliber mind in a 357 Magnum world, and that was the ooh, and then you find out at the end of the episode he knew the mic was on? Yes. I have a hard time. This is the first thing that comes to mind for me. I think Chris Christie knew there was a hot mic there. I, so, I don't think he's that undisciplined about media that he didn't know. Because think about what he's saying. He's getting to talk. He's taking a victory lap. He's trashing his opponents. He said, by the way, it sounded like something you'd say. She's going to get smoked. Uh, yeah, well, so here, yeah, here is what I always think about the hot mic situation. When someone has a hot mic and they say everything that they would probably say if they had no restrictions and they come off looking better, I never buy that they didn't know a hot mic was there. Yep. Right? And and I always say this is an easy way to track, like, who is the leaker? You know, there's always the question of, like, oh, this story's out. Like, who? Most of the time, you can figure out who's likely to have leaked something based on who benefits from the leak, right? When there's anonymous sources involved and everything else. So I don't think that this was accidental. If, if there had been a hot mic come out and Chris Christie said something that he, that you didn't want to go out and you thought to yourself, Oh yeah, maybe that, maybe that's not the, uh, the situation you would expect. I don't know. I mean, everybody's mic'd and you and I are used to this at this point. Um, I, I don't know how many hours a day I'm on a mic. I mean, 
five or six sometimes. I mean, easily live mics, whether it's television, obviously this show, there's a mic in front of us all day long, every day. Um, I always say live mics are problems when you sound different than you would in real life. Right. Uh, I mean, and when in, you're putting on a show, like an artificial version of yourself. Otherwise, people are, it's fine. you know, people are going to say, yeah, that's kind of what I would expect Clay Travis to say because he sounds kind of the same in, all the time. It, it's scripted. But in, yes, we sound exactly the same, especially if people like come up to us in real life. Maybe there's sometimes a little bit of saltier language, but other than that, it's, it's exactly the same. Um, do you remember in uh, 30 Rock when the Tina Fey character who's playing the head writer on SNL effectively? That's such a good show on, back in the day. And she has an open mic and she trashes the whole crew. Yes. That's an open mic moment. She's like, so and so's not doing this and he's not doing that and they're so yeah. lazy and there's, you know, this with Chris Christie to me, way too cute. Nikki Haley's going to get smoked. Ron's calling me groveling, like the whole thing. It just strikes me as, look, he he's in this. Hey, oh. I, I don't disagree at all. I, I was just going to say the problem here that I see is Chris Christie said, I'm, I'm going to do everything in my power to keep him from being president, or I'm paraphrasing him there. He doesn't have much power. <laughs> you know, like I'm sitting there, like what can Chris Christie do at this point? To stop Donald Trump from being president. My takeaway there is, would he run as an independent? That was, that was my actual takeaway. And I don't know how the ballot would like for no labels or something like that. Could he take that, that on? That actually was my takeaway. You know, I, I sit here and I know that right now, uh, for those of you who live a very online life, which is very few of you, fortunately, but Clay and I, you know, we do. It's part of the, part of the job comes with the territory. People are very tense right now about the primary, and there's a little bit of lashing out going on about different candidates here and there. And and I just, you know, I, I've done this, I've been through this before in primaries, covering it and and trying to be, um, you know, even-handed insofar as I'm being honest, right? Like what I said yesterday, am I somebody who's a big fan of Nikki Haley's? I mean, comparatively to the other candidates, no, but I would vote for Nikki Haley over Joe Biden. And so I bring this up because. You never want to do something where, you know, the bridge is, is fully burned in a primary or, or otherwise. Um, not just in the media. I think, I think in general, it's a good rule for life. A lot of people want at this last minute there to be like all in and just tear down some candidate. They're terrible. They're a bad person. They're not a patriot or whatever about the one candidate they really don't like, whether it's DeSantis or Trump or Haley or whomever. I just don't think that's constructive. Like the people are about to vote. We're going to see how they do in Iowa. We're going to find out, and the voice of the people will be heard. You know what I mean? I, I don't see any yeah, need I, to try to try to like uh, kneecap somebody here in the last moment by going all in to try to get some last minute push for your guy. I just think that that's in a primary. That's kind of in a general. That's a different story. Yeah, especially when let's be honest. Uh, assuming that we get Trump versus Biden, and I understand all the people oh, out there. You're getting people riled up right now. Uh, I understand all the people. We haven't even voted yet. That's my angry, angry voice uh, of of the internet masses who uh, who get upset because the voting hasn't even started yet. But um, assuming we get Trump v. Biden, which uh, would be the expectation right now. Again, I think that the Democrats may break the glass. I've been arguing that for some time. But let's let's just presume it's Trump v. Biden, particularly on the Republican side. I think every single person who ran in 2024 will run again in 2028 because Trump is either going to be 81 and out of the picture or he's going to have finished his term. And by 2026, I mean, really soon, the ramp up regardless is going to start because there's not going to be an incumbent in office. 
So, so we have obviously Chris Christie out. One thing I wanted to ask you, and we didn't coordinate this beforehand. I'm just curious. Which was the first of the two programs you went to? And did you watch both or either of them live? The, the Trump, uh, yeah. town hall and then uh, just for everyone listening and the, uh, Nikki Haley versus Ron DeSantis CNN debate. I started on CNN because it's two people and I'm going to be honest with you. 15 minutes in, I was like, this is super boring. I just, the, the one-on-one debate between, uh, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, I thought compared to DeSantis Newsom was just not that interesting and it felt kind of boring. So I flipped over to the town hall and I got to give him credit. I thought Trump was absolutely phenomenal in the town hall. He was relaxed. He was likable. He was funny. He was interesting. He was entertaining. This is, this was, Trump at his best, I thought, with Fox News Live. He wasn't particularly inflammatory. I thought he answered questions really well. I think he does better with live audience-like questions than he does with the moderator questions, if that makes sense. I think he shows more respect for the general person than he does for the media person. He's not going to steamroll Bob the construction worker or, or Sally the nurse at the hospital when they ask a question. He's very good about... I want to hear what you have to say. If you're even trying to interview Trump, I will say is a challenge. It's, uh, he's, he's going in a direction. It's, it's like you're the, uh, you're the rodeo clown at the rodeo trying to keep the bull from getting out of the pen. Like Trump does whatever he wants to do in interviews. It's very hard to slow him down or direct him. Um, and, and I would say for me, I, by the way, I, I was, did you, what did you, I, do? I didn't know what how you did, were how did say? you watch? Same, yeah. same. I mean, I, I went to the uh, debate first because I thought, oh, more fireworks. And I figured I'd watch the Trump uh, town hall on delay. Um, and I ended up switching over r- earlier. Um, and, and I, look, I think that that's pretty much the consensus opinion that the Trump was very uh, entertaining and, and was very, um, affable, which is one of his political strengths. He's just, he just comes across even people, I think who are being honest will say that he is very good at being ingratiating and being entertaining. Now, whether that should make him president or not, it's a whole other conversation. Um, but the Nikki Haley Ron DeSantis thing, I, I don't know. I I come at this with a bias, and that I'm I'm not uh, a big. I don't really understand much of the Nikki. I understand who likes Nikki Haley. I just wish that they would think of things differently. I suppose. <laughs> but yeah. I thought she had a really bad night um, overall. I thought Nikki Haley came across this whole. She said 14 times. Go to DeSantisLies.com. Like they made a website of how much he yeah. lies. I went to the site. And I gotta tell you, there, there are some things on there where, okay, like maybe Ron's playing a little fast and loose, or I should say it's debatable, but there are other things I'm like, that's not a lie. Like he states, also, you know, and basically an opinion. I hate when people do this. When there's something that's debatable or an opinion, they're like, you're lying. No, it's not a lie. You just don't like what I'm saying. And she did that to Ron a lot. Also, there are things you can attack Ron DeSantis for. Being good with facts is to me not one of them. Right? I mean, there are a lot of politicians. I think Joe Biden lies all the time. And I don't think Joe Biden is particularly smart about the way he lies. Like, he's just kind of ham-handed and messy about it. I think Trump is bull in a china shop. I think he's just sometimes fast and loose with everything that he says. I think he gets to the right place, but he just knocks over tons of stuff in the process. Um, and then DeSantis, to me, actually seems at times blandly anti-lying, right? Like, just not enough sizzle on uh, the steak that he's got, right? But 
that that seems really misguided to me that Nikki Haley would go after Ron DeSantis on the idea that he tells a lot of lies. I agree with you and say it over and over and over again repetitively. Um, I, I, I don't know intellectually how they would break down. I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but I'm just going to bulldoze through it anyway. I think Ron DeSantis is in a different class intellectually than Nikki Haley is. Whoa. <laughs> Clay went there. Okay. Well, I do. Can, can I, just I think put this out there that, for that's our what, audience when right I now? watched the debate? I mean, Newsom is smart, I think. I think he's a real liar. I thought that Ron DeSantis was in a different intellectual category with Nikki Haley head to head last night. Um, I, can I put out there for, for right now, for this hour? I would love to get anyone listening who vehemently disagrees with any assessment that we have right here, whether it's Clay well, that's, that's a good Trump idea. is inevitable, you, it, yes. me saying Nikki Haley had a bad night. I don't want anyone calling in for this hour to tell us how right we are, although we do love you and you are all geniuses who, who feel that way. But anyone who wants to call in and really light us, and I mean this, light us up on one of these things, because to me, I thought Nikki Haley had a terrible night last night. I mean, not that it really matters, because I don't think she's going to be president, so who cares? Um, you know, I thought, I think Ron is always steady. He's always solid. He's always Ron, but he's not a breakout performance guy. He's, uh, he does what he does guy. He's, he's a, he's a, a, a sports analogy buck. He is the guy who's going to get you the first down on third and one, but he's never going to take it to the house. There you go. So and t- Trump, wrong, Trump might lose 20 yards, yeah. but he also might have a dazzling, you know, like cross the field touchdown, right? I mean, that, that's the way that I would kind of characterize him. So 800-282-2882, tell us what we are wrong about right now. I want to take some of those. Uh, all right, look, uh, Buck, Buck may not have even heard about how big this news is because it's so substantial. Nick Saban retired. I roll did see tied. this. You My did roll see tied. Uh, and earlier today, Bill Belichick out with the New England Patriots. Two of the coaching legends of all time with the Patriots and the Alabama Crimson Tide both out. And that rolls right into this, which is my friend at Prize Picks. You can bet uh, and make your picks on everything that's going on right now with NFL Wild Card Weekend. I want to specifically focus on Texas, on Georgia, and on California. You guys have been feeling like you're left out when it comes to making picks. And there are a lot of other states where you can play this game and really entertain yourself. But I want all of you to go check it out. You guys know I'm a diehard sports fan. I love to make picks. I can't wait. I made picks yesterday in all six of the games that are coming up on the NFL wild card. You can turn $10 into $250 with just a couple of taps, and they will match every dollar that you put in to play this game. Maybe you're not a huge sports fan, but you know in your house they're going to have the games on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, wild card weekend, divisional weekend, AFC, NFC championships, rolling into the Super Bowl, and you just want to have a little skin in the game. You just want to make your own picks. You know, like how you do the squares sometimes at the Super Bowl party. I want everybody to check this out because it's really fun. You can make picks on individual players, put together really fun outcomes. Buck, I bet Super Bowl parties, sometimes you'll do the squares, right? You're not a diehard sports guy, but I'm you want to be into part it, of the game. I just want you to know, I'm, I'm texting Clay to tell me which picks I should make. And if he's wrong, I'm going to light him up here on the show. So there will be pick accountability on prize picks for Mr. Clay Travis. I'm going to give you my picks tomorrow for prize picks. But right now, I want you to do something. Just get your phones out. Go to prizepicks.com slash clay. Prizepicks.com slash clay. 
prizepicks.com slash clay. Whatever dollars you deposit, they will match up to a hundred dollars. That means that you can basically have no risk fun up to a hundred dollars just to make your picks. Prizepicks.com slash clay. One more time, prizepicks.com slash clay. They'll give you a hundred dollars free credit if you deposit a hundred. Prizepicks.com slash clay. Truth after truth, you can handle the truth. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has supported our nation's heroes and their families ever since. Heroes like Marine Corps Sergeant Adam Mayo. He served our nation for over seven years before he was severely injured during training. He was paralyzed from the chest down, severely limiting his ability to move around his home independently. Tunnel to Towers paid Sergeant Mayo's mortgage, removing a financial burden for him and his family. The foundation gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his specific needs. Tunnel to Towers helped severely injured service members and first responders, as well as Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders. It's already come to the aid of so many heroes and their families by providing mortgage-free homes. The foundation is also committed to eradicating veteran homelessness. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Meet Kelsey. When she found out she was pregnant, she wasn't sure where to turn. But after meeting with the counselors at a pre-born network clinic, they welcomed her and supported her and provided her with a free ultrasound. Kelsey heard her baby's heartbeat, and she chose life. When a mother looks at her child through a sonogram, it does something to you. You know, I ended up deciding to keep my son, who is now five years old today. He's amazing. He brings absolute joy to my heart. I could not imagine life without him. By introducing a woman to her baby on an ultrasound, a baby's chance at life doubles. Your tax-deductible donation of $5,000 will sponsor preborns entire network for 24 hours, helping to rescue 200 babies. To donate, use your cell phone and dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 saying baby. Or donate securely at preborn.com slash buck. That's preborn.com slash B-U-C-K. Sponsored by Preborn. All right, second hour of Play and Buck kicks off right now. We are joined by our friend Stephen Miller, formerly Senior Advisor in the Trump White House, and he's also the uh, founder of America First Legal. Stephen, good to have you on the program. 
Thank you. Great to be here as always. So we have, uh, guys, let's, let's start with this one. We all know the border is a total disaster. Stephen, the good news is, I mean, not that there's any good news about this, but this audience very up to speed on the numbers, the criminality, the lawlessness, and the Biden administration's utter refusal to do anything meaningful about it. Last night we heard from, uh, President Trump about his proposals and, and here's one thing. We talked, uh, there was a talk of deportations rapidly escalating the deportations. Here's what Trump said. Play 15. How will you gather the several millions that have already entered our country illegally and return them to their country of origin? Great question. It's not sustainable for our country. We have millions and millions of people here. It is not sustainable. Did you see in New York City where they're getting the regular students out and they're putting migrants in their place? We are going to have the largest deportation effort in the history of our country. We're bringing everybody back to where they came from. We have no choice. We have no choice. All right, Stephen, you heard it from the man himself. What would that look like? What would that deportation effort, I mean, walk us through how that happens. Yes, well, this is something, of course, that we've given a great deal of thought to. And I'm speaking to you now uh, in my personal capacity when I say this. I am 100% confident that when President Trump takes the oath of office, we will begin and initiate the largest deportation operation, as he said, in the history of our country. And the way this will be done is by, number one, involving and leveraging the enormous federal assets at our disposal beyond the uh, Border Patrol and ICE. So right now, ICE has about 6,000 deportation officers as your starting point. That's not very many. Uh, that's, you know, New York City has 30,000 cops, to put that in perspective, 6,000 for the whole country. So you begin by, number one, taking HSI, which is the uh, organization on top of ICE, Homeland Security Investigations. And you can pull another probably 10, 11,000 guns and badges from HSI. Then you go into the Department of Justice. Well, you get CBP extra resources for interior operations. Then you go into DOJ. You pull from FBI, ATF, DEA. Then you go into, from there, uh, your other departments and agencies that have their own police forces. I mean, for example, even the National Park Service as a significant police service. Uh, then beyond that is when you bring in the National Guard, and you do this by going to each of the different states. Uh, you know, just take a pick, right? You go to, say, the governor of Alabama, and you say, we need to uh, use your National Guardsmen to carry out deportation operations in and around your state. So it's not just in the state they're coming from, but you try to do it regionally for efficiency's sake. So like in the southeast region, you know, for example. And then you go to the sheriffs and the police departments and using the authority that is delegated to the Secretary of Homeland Security, you're then able to deputize those individuals as well. But the key for efficiency's sake is that it has to be done under the control of your most experienced deportation officers. In other words, this isn't just like you show up and you say, uh, to a group of people, all right, now you're immigration officers. Because it's an incredibly challenging, complicated, and it's very data-driven, knowing where the illegals are and what uh, what their case disposition is. So you have experienced your best ICE officers running these teams that are blends of federal, state, and local, and National Guard 
for resources. Then, as we've talked about before, you have to have staging facilities for outbound flights, right? Because if you collect a group of people, say you collect 100 people one day in Alabama, they're going to be from two dozen different countries. Each country, you have a different plane, a different manifest, a different everything. So you have to have somewhere to hold these people while you're waiting for these outbound flights and, of course, dealing with all of the uh, legal challenges and other things that are going to arise. Uh, which then brings me to my next point, which is that the State Department has to be also the leading edge of this. And one of the things that I experienced firsthand, and but many people outside of government don't realize, is the State Department is the tip of the spear in any deportation operation. In other words, obtaining unconditional compliance from countries around the world. So those tarmacs are always open to your aircraft. You pick up the phone, and they're ready to receive whatever plane that you're sending. No games, no bull. No nothing. Countries, if you let them, they will nickel and dime you over everything. They will say, oh, we can only accept 20 right now, or we can only accept 15 right now, or we're not going to give them travel documents, or we, we, we don't think this is a real citizen of our country, it's not the right passport, whatever. You have to say, no, you accept every single person we're sending back, or consequences are going to initiate immediately. And the last thing I'll just say about this is that you have to bring additional authorities to bear. One of those that we've talked about before is the Alien Enemies Act which gives you expedited deportation as well, too. And then additionally, by using a Title 42-like authority at the border, that will free up an enormous amount of resources and space to carry out these domestic deportation operations. So it's not the complete answer, but it gives you a sense about the kind of activity that would need to be put into effect. And I can assure you it will happen as surely as the sun rises in the morning. If Donald Trump is the next president of the United States, then this will happen. Stephen, um, obviously the border is a unmitigated disaster. Did you ever think in your wildest dreams that it would get this bad when Joe Biden came into office? And you're not exactly a guy who is seeing sunny side uh, homilies here <laughs> on the border in the first place, right? But even you, are you astounded that we're talking about, you know, six, seven, eight million illegals that we know of pouring into this country in, in a record time, unlike we've ever seen? Even are you stunned by how bad it's gotten? I'm stunned by the extent to which the Democrat Party has been willing to sustain this pace of illegal immigration, knowing um, the the extraordinary public blowback and and pressure. In other words, I thought that they might, I thought that they might meter it just enough because you know for the media to cover it, you know, six or seven thousand apprehensions a day is an unmitigated catastrophe. They're now at you know ten, eleven thousand apprehensions a day. The media, the corporate media, would ignore it at catastrophe levels. In other words, they state at catastrophe levels. The corporate media would ignore it. They're at Armageddon levels, so that even the liberal press is covering it. That I did find a bit surprising. But what I didn't find surprising at all is that it happened because – and I'm actually really glad you asked the question because I very rarely get to say this. In the Trump administration, we knew that the whole paradigm on the border had changed, that illegal immigration was no longer just a Mexican issue, that it was 100-plus countries – the smugglers and cartels had leapt into the 21st century using social media, uh, using networking apps to facilitate mass illegal immigration, that they were able to use very advanced and sophisticated intelligence tools, that the cartels were more powerful than ever, 
uh, in the north of Mexico, and that the cheapness of international transportation and the availability of international transportation also changed the game. In other words, a, a poor person today in a third world country can probably still save up enough money to get to a, uh, an intermediate country, you know, say to get to Panama or even to get to Mexico City and then pay the cartels the rest of the way. This wasn't true when George Bush was in office. And so we understood that if we didn't perform exceptionally and seamlessly on the border, that the gates of hell would open up. And we knew that. And so for me, as a, uh, as a private citizen then in early 2021, watching what Biden was doing, um, my, you know, my heart sank to the floor. Um, I, I was just, just devastated because I understood what would happen and what did happen. Speaking and of Stephen Miller, I'm sorry. Yeah, Stephen Miller. Yeah. And, and also, Stephen, you were just kind of hitting at that, but I was curious. One big part of this storyline has been the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, sending migrants to all of these sanctuary cities. Would this be something that maybe the Trump administration as a federal level would do? It's a little bit different, obviously, than the state, but that's obviously been very successful, too, because it's made it impossible for people who are in New York or Chicago or Washington, D.C., who sit back and say, oh, the border's not an issue their entire city is uh, collapsing. Their budgets are falling apart. How how does that impact going forward? No, the answer is that when it comes to the border, um, we're not going to do anything other than deport, 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 deport. Um, that's the bottom line. And we now have, uh, we possess the skills, the knowledge, the bureaucratic know-how, uh, the mastery of the federal agencies, uh, the strategies with the judiciary and everything in between to be able to come in on day one and put in place an enforcement regime that no Western country in modern history has been able to match or equal. Stephen Miller, everybody. Stephen, thanks for being with us, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. God bless. Talk soon. You know, uh, here, one big promise uh, that was made last night, Clay, during the debate. Just wanted to play this for everybody. I'm sorry, during the town hall, not the debate. When Trump said, this is cut 32, and he said, day one, he's going to be a dictator on two things, the border and energy. Play it. I said, I'm going to be a dictator for one day. We're going to do two things. The border, we're going to make it so tight you can't get in unless you come in legally. And the other is energy. We're going to drill, baby, drill. After that, I'm not going to be a dictator. After that, I'm not going to be a dictator. There you go. After that, he's not going to be a dictator. But those are two very important things in all seriousness. The border and also what energy, if it was truly, remember the, the, whether it's, it's people that are going to be doing, um, oil and gas exploration, uh, people that are setting up the refinery operations for it. Well, they've got to project far out into the future, right? It's not just something that happens suddenly. So knowing that you have a four-year administration that's going to be really favorable because they're not scared of Greta Thunberg shaming them at the U.N. or something, really um, favorable toward American energy independence, uh, would be huge, I think, for the economy. So you secure the border and you do that for energy, you're already way ahead of where we are right now. And also, Buck, this comes back to what we said about the border for a long time. There are two main incentives why people come illegally to the United States. One is jobs. 
And that's a courtesy of capitalism and the fact that we have created the greatest economic success of a country in the history of the world. Okay, so that's one, that's hard to eliminate. Two, and Stephen has talked about this with us before, uh, if you make it harder for people to come here to get jobs, that eliminates the incentive. Second part is, we really have to address the structural issue here, which is birthright citizenship has to become a major point of debate in this country. By which I mean, just because you're born on the soil here, if you are born as the result of a crime, why should you be rewarded for that? That is something that really needs to enter the American consciousness. This is not a commonplace thing. Most of our rivals in the world don't allow you to become a citizen if you are born in their country, even if you're there legally. And it, it makes zero sense that we would allow someone to illegally enter the country, have a child, maybe eight or nine months pregnant when they come in, and suddenly their child is a citizen forever, and then you can't deport the mom, you can't deport the dad. This is a structural problem and an incentive that has to be addressed. 800-282-2882, and I just got one yesterday, actually. A text message came into my phone. It was during the show, and usually when people text me during the show, I get a little bit like, hmm, what's going on? Because, you know, people who know me know what I'm doing from 12 uh, noon to 3 Eastern every day. And sure enough, it was, oh, your package isn't coming to the right place. Just click here. It was a scam, folks. It was a scam. But they're getting really sophisticated. In fact, these days, they're even trying to use scams about raising money for charities and other things in order to get your personal information. So it's a fake charity or it's something that you think, oh, my gosh, I'm doing a good thing. Well, you're actually getting your information stolen. But when you become a LifeLock member, you have somebody watching your back from all these scams. There are hundreds of millions of transactions going on online, and LifeLock is scanning them. It detects and alerts you to potential identity threats that you may not spot on your own. And if you do become a victim of identity theft, a dedicated U.S.-based LifeLock restoration specialist will work with you to fix it. Your personal information is getting exposed. There's just no way around it. You need someone to be watching your back. I've been a LifeLock member for years, and they've come through for me big time. It's easy to help protect yourself with LifeLock now. Join and save 25% off your first year with my name, Buck, as your promo code. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or go online to LifeLock.com and use promo code B-U-C-K for 25% off. Making sense in an insane world. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. One thing you can be certain about is that this year Democrats are going to really, they're going to stick to the facts. They're not going to overstate. They're not going to lose their minds and be hysterical. And no, unfortunately, none of that is true. As you know, they're, they're going to go with the craziest things you've ever heard about American politics and specifically about Republicans in American politics. Um, this was e- even for what we expect from the view. Clay's favorite daytime show, um, on, on politics, right? I think we said favorite daytime political show other than our own because the view gives us so much great content. And I am happy and thankful that those women are there to give us the talking points of the Democrat party. Um, but here is Whoopi Goldberg. Saying this about President Trump, you just got to hear this to believe it, honestly. Play 25. I'm here to say it's ours to lose. It is this country. This is what it's all about. Either you want it 
to work forward thinking. You want everybody to have the ability to say how they feel, what they want to move forward, or you don't. Or you want somebody who says, I'm going to be on day one, I'm going to be a dictator. Who says it to you, tells you, I'm going to put you people away. I'm going to take all the journalists, I'm going to take all the gay folks, I'm going to move you all around and disappear you. If that's the country you want, you know who to vote for. If that's not, if that's not the country you want, you have to make a decision. Going to disappear journalists and gay folks, she says, Clay. I mean, I guess you can say anything about Trump. Now, the, the rule now is, if you're a Democrat, say anything you want. Say that Donald Trump assassinated Abraham Lincoln. It's his fault. Like You can say anything you want. I think, though, this all now is working to Trump's favor. This, this is my big thesis for why Trump, if he is the nominee, will win. Because they can't keep going to the Trump is Hitler Basically, which is what she's saying, right? He's going to kill journalists. I mean, just think about that for a minute. He's going to disappear journalists? What, that he's going to send people and that they're going to kidnap journalists? First of all, like, if anybody was going to do that, it would be Joe Biden. <laughs> Let's be honest. Second, he was president for four years. Did any journalists disappear? I, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm saying this and I'm not, I'm being serious about it. I mean, I, I truly believe this. If COVID had had a three or four percent fatality rate, you know, a really, a really high pandemic yeah. fatality rate, and and then the vaccines came out, and they would have rounded up the unvaccinated in in like you know internment camps, in in, in camps, they would yeah. have done it. I really look, Australia basically did it with people with COVID. I think Joe Biden would have rounded people up who refused to get the vaccine. I really believe it. Until and they people got like Whoopi Goldberg would have cheered it. And this is just, I mean, the, 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 the journalist is one, gay people? Wasn't Trump the most pro-gay rights Republican president of all time? First president running for office, uh, to hold the gay flag, gay, gay pride flag on stage at a campaign event. So before any Democrat did. Our nation's dollar has been the world's currency for decades, and it's how world trading is measured. So the stability of the dollar is super important. It's a very important thing for our quality of life, right? I mean, the way that we can live our lives. But is it going to be able to endure? Look at what inflation is doing. Look at budget deficits. $34 trillion in debt. Plus, gosh, what's going to happen this year? One individual who thinks you need to get some answers about how to prepare yourself is Tika Tawari. He's a former Wall Street insider. He's now a writer and expert on world currency. He believe he believes we may see our U.S. dollar crash, not from outside influences, but from the inside. Tawari has released a video to help you prepare. Go to MoveYourCashNow.com to learn the three steps you need to take to prepare. That's MoveYourCashNow.com, paid for by Palm Beach Research Group. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. 
Call Oxford Gold Group right now, and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes and their families since 9-11. These are our first responders and service members who serve our communities and our country or those who die in the line of duty or are severely injured, and our veterans who fought for our nation's freedoms only to return home, fall on tough times, and become homeless. Heroes like Buffalo firefighter Jason Arno and his family. Arno was killed while protecting his community, battling a warehouse fire. He left behind his wife and a young daughter. In their darkest hour, Tunnel the Towers provided Arno's wife and daughter with a mortgage-free home, The foundation lifted a financial burden, enabling them to stay in the home where they made memories with their hero. Join Tunnel the Towers on its mission to do good. Support the families of America's greatest heroes, the families of fallen first responders like Jason Arno, plus Gold Star families with young kids, severely injured service members, and homeless veterans. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. No surprise, but do you know the number of abortions in states where it's deemed legal have increased since the overturning of Roe v. Wade? Sadly, unborn babies' lives are more at risk than ever, and that's where Preborn steps in. Preborn introduces moms to their precious babies through ultrasound. When a mom in crisis hears her baby's heartbeat and sees her or him on ultrasound, she is twice as likely to choose life. Preborn has rescued hundreds of thousands of babies' lives, and their network of clinics are located in the highest abortion states, standing strong for moms in crisis and the most vulnerable preborn babies. Five ultrasounds are just $140 helping to rescue five babies. Preborn relies on donations from us. To donate securely, use your cell phone and dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 saying baby or go to preborn.com slash buck. That's preborn.com slash buck. You will never regret saving a baby's life. Visit preborn.com slash buck sponsored by preboard welcome back into clay and buck we are joined by the speaker of the house speaker mike johnson is with us right now mr speaker appreciate you making the time hey great to be with you guys good to hear your voices um so we know you're at the border we talked about that top of the hour we do want to get into that issue with you and and see what the latest is from your perspective but first talk, talk to us here about this this spending deal, what's really going on, and and why are you taking the positions uh, that you are right now in terms of the you know whether you're agreeing, disagreeing with Democrats? Walk us through the spending deal as it stands right now. Yeah, it's a great question. There's a lot of misinformation and confusion about this, guys. What what we've done here is we're trying to work towards the 12 separate appropriations bills. That's the way Congress is supposed to work. That's how we restore fiscal sanity to Washington, and, and we, we engage in good stewardship on behalf of taxpayers, right? We have a $34 trillion federal debt. I mean, it's a, it's incredible landmark and a dangerous one. So we are negotiating, trying to work towards a top-line spending agreement that is the first cut to non-VA, non-defense spending in many years. It significantly cuts out a lot of the side agreements that were negotiated last year for the spending bills. About $16 billion in real new spending cuts. We take $10 billion out of that IRS slush fund and the and about $6.1 billion from the Biden administration's COVID-era funds. What, what the, the real important point here is that having an agreement allows our Republican conservative appropriators to go in the room and fight against the Nancy Pelosi-era policy writers that remain in effect because we're operating under a 
continue resolution, and we've got to get the new budget done. So that's what this is about. It's not the best deal that any of us as conservatives would draft on our own. But here's what everybody has to remember. We only have conservatives, Republicans only have a majority in one house of Congress, and it's, it's about to become the smallest majority in U.S. history. I mean, after January 22nd, uh, we'll be down to a one vote margin. I mean, literally, there's only been one Congress in, in 1917 during World War One that had a smaller majority than we'll have, smaller margin. So, um, we, we, we want to advance our conservative priorities and principles every moment of every day as far as we can. But right now, guys, to give a football metaphor, which you both are, are uh, conversant in, um, I'm an LSU guy, so that's how I speak, right? Listen, I want to throw a Hail Mary pass on every play, but right now it's, it's three yards in a cloud of dust. We've got to advance the ball up the field incrementally, and that's what we're trying to do. You're an LSU guy, by the way. I, I got to build on this then. How excited were you when you saw Nick Saban was retiring? You know, I was hoping you would tee that up for me. Uh, you know, congratulations to him. Undeniable that he's, you know, he's, he's probably one of, if not the greatest coach, certainly in the, in the college game of all time. Uh, but at LSU, we have no love loss for Alabama and what he's done. So, you know, it's a bittersweet day for college football. How about that? That's a good answer. I think you should have said that, that Brian Kelly is now going to smoke Alabama and the Crimson Tide are finished as an elite football program. That's what I was telling my, that goes uh, without se- saying, my friend. That goes without <laughs> saying. Yeah. That's what I was telling my seventh grader, by the way, who has ended up an Alabama fan because they've been so dominant. And it's a real failure of parenting that I've allowed that to happen. Uh, we're talking to speaker, uh, speaker Mike Johnson. Okay. So for people out there who are listening to us right now and, uh, they are not that familiar with you. How are you different than the speaker that you replaced? What is going to be different for Republican voters out there that they should know about you compared to the man you replaced? Well, listen, I'm not going to in any way disparage Tim McCarthy, who's a a great guy and a a patriot, did the best job he could under tough circumstances all the time. Um, But, you know, my background is different. I was a constitutional law litigator. I was a front lines, literally front front line conservative uh, movement conservative my whole life. And um, that's the background I bring into this. The, the, the lens by which I see things uh, is as a constitutional conservative. I mean, I believe in the founding principles of the country, and we're trying to advance them here every day. Individual freedom, limited government, you know, the rule of law, peace through strength, fiscal responsibility, free markets, human dignity. These are the things that built the country. These are, these are my fixed points on the horizon, and they guide what we do. So what you're going to see over the long term is a real – uh, emphasis on that to get us back to what made America great in the first place. I feel like we've deviated from it too far. Now, acknowledging right now we're going through a valley. This is what I want everybody to know and be encouraged by. We are going to emerge on the other side of this. Right now, we have the smallest majority in U.S. history, uh, very soon here, uh, with one majority in one House of Congress. We only have control of one half of one-third of the federal government, but it's all going to change because, guys, I am very bullish on the upcoming election cycle. I am convinced that we're going to expand the conservative Republican majority in the House, we're going to win back the Senate, and I think we're going to win back the White House as well. And so everybody in this country is going to be in a much better place a year from now. Uh, but we've got to get through this valley, and, and we've got to demonstrate that we can govern well. And I think Speaker we'll Johnson, that, uh, can I, can I, and we're speaking to uh, the Speaker of the House, uh, Mike Johnson, right now. And, and Speaker Johnson, uh, to that end, l- let's 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 fast forward a little bit and and hope and pray, but let's fast forward to where we have a really good election at the end of this year, and let's say you get a Republican president. I can let anybody else fill in the blank here of who they think it, that would be, but a Republican president, House, and Senate. What do you think the Republican House caucus is willing to do on the immigration issue, really? I mean, we just had Stephen Miller on. He's talking about Trump promising 
massive deportations. He says he 100% believes him. What is the Republican Party in the House willing to do to deal with our out-of-control border? I know you were just down there. We were. Listen, I, I talk to Stephen Miller about it all the time, and all of our friends here, we're absolutely committed. I believe it's the number one issue. I think it'll be a big issue for the election, maybe the biggest one, because it's, it's the most immediate crisis and catastrophe that we have to face. Last week, we took 64 House Republicans down to the border to Eagle Pass, to the epicenter, to see it off with our own two eyes. Many of us have been to the border multiple times before, but it's never been as bad as it is right now, guys. 302,000 people crossed illegally in December. That's just the ones we could count ones we had encounters with. We don't know how many gotaways have come through, how many people on the terrorism watch list, at least 300 that we know. Um, I, I think the actual number is close to 15 million. So the point is, we can't really wait until next year to begin to address all this. It has to happen now. And you're going to see us draw the line and stand on that line and fight right now to get that border secured. We passed H.R. 2, our signature legislation, eight months ago, the Secure the Border Act. It would do everything we need to do, um, you know, fix the broken parole system, the asylum reform. I mean, reinstitute the Trump era, remain in Mexico policy, end catch and release, you know, finish the wall. All that's in there. Every House Republican voted for that. We lobbed it over to the Senate. It's been collecting dust on Chuck Schumer's desk for eight months. We're going to push this. We're going to force it through, and we're going to get transformational policy change on that border one way or the other. We have to. We have to do it for the country. You, you mentioned, uh, and I know you got to leave, so this is the last question for you. you got to manage everything that's going on in the House right now. Uh, you mentioned the small majority you have, which is a, a, a tiny majority that you inherited. Uh, what happened with uh, Kevin McCarthy was it only took four people to remove him. Are you concerned at all that you're going to have the same issue with four or five people and that they might vote to try to remove you in the same way that they did Kevin McCarthy? Or are you confident that's not going to happen itself, that that prologue is not going to be a preview for what happens to you as well? Yeah, I don't, I don't waste a moment of time being concerned about that. I'm, I'm working to govern. Um, look, everybody here is, is, there's a lot of emotion right now. There's a lot of, uh, of fervor and very thoughtful conversations, and that's what we're doing. I mean, the, the people that, that moved to vacate McCarthy, um, I mean, there's some of my, my close colleagues and friends. And so I bring everybody in, and we talk through the issues. They, remember, they know that I am myself a hardline conservative, and I bring that philosophy to the, the gavel. And, and what we're doing right now is we've got we've got to advance that conservative philosophy under arguably the most challenging circumstances in the history of the institution. So uh, we're not going to get everything we get we want every single day. It's incrementalism. And um, having everybody understand that and be a part of the, you know, advancing the ball is really important. Not, not to wear out the football metaphor, but everybody needs to know their place on the field, what their position is, and where they work in each play. And you can't tackle your own quarterback and expect you're going to win the game, right? So we, we, we talk about this tongue-in-cheek, but I, everybody knows the stakes are so high, guys. I think we're going to work together and get this done. And, and, and again, we're going to win that election cycle and be in a much better position next time around. Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. Mr. Speaker, come back again soon. Thanks for being on the program. We'll do it, guys. Good to talk to you. Uh, 800-282-2882. Any thoughts on what the Speaker said or on the immigration plan as we talked about it with uh, Stephen Miller in the top of the hour? Want to want to hear your thoughts. Um, you know, one thing that I do think people, Clay, are, are going to be asking is, uh, they love, they love what Trump is promising day one of Trump term two, but why didn't it happen Trump term one? Right. This is something I think that's a fair, it's a fair question. Doesn't mean that it's a question without an answer. Um, and I wonder if anybody out there has an answer that they want to, uh, to offer up for it at this point. Um, look, this is going to be a huge year in politics. Clay and I are going to have a lot of late nights ahead of us. And I'm sure many of you as well staying up, watching debates, watching 
well, more than that, watching the numbers coming in for a lot of these different uh, primaries that are coming up and then eventually Election Day, right? So you're going to need energy, right, Clay? We can't be a bunch of wimps out there getting tired, going to bed early, drinking the Ovaltine with the sippy cup. Crying, crying during the crown. You know, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't going to call him out on that one, but we did get a lot of emails about the tears during the crown. That said, somebody else said that they cried because Michael Jordan got an award <laughs> once and, and his wife made fun of one of our VIPs. So point here is, yes. folks, you got to stay fired up. You got to stay energetic. Chad mode. That is what you need to try if you want energy and fire in your day to day. And if you just want more energy in a general holistic sense as well, meaning you're going to balance out hormones and have the right stuff in your body. Check out the male and female vitality stack at Chalk. So, look, Chalk makes both of these products. Well, really, the line of products that is the male vitality stack and the specific product that is Chad Mode, which is a pre-workout. I take Chad Mode before I go play tennis while I'm bouncing around the uh, tennis court like the Energizer Bunny. Um, and you will absolutely love Chad Mode, but try the male vitality stack as well. Go to ChalkCHOQ.com. When you sign up with a subscription using my name, Buck, you're going to get 35% off. That's right, 35% off Chad Mode or any chalk subscription. 35% off when you use promo code B-U-C-K. So go to this website, chalk, C-H-O-Q.com, and use promo code BUCK for 35% off. Don't miss a minute of Clay and Buck and get behind-the-scene access to special content for members only. Subscribe to CNB 24-7. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has supported our nation's heroes and their families ever since. Heroes like Marine Corps Sergeant Adam Mayo. He served our nation for over seven years before he was severely injured during training. He was paralyzed from the chest down, severely limiting his ability to move around his home independently. Tunnel to Towers paid Sergeant Mayo's mortgage, removing a financial burden for him and his family. The foundation gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his specific needs. Tunnel of Towers helped severely injured service members and first responders, as well as Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders. It's already come to the aid of so many heroes and their families by providing mortgage-free homes. The foundation is also committed to eradicating veteran homelessness. Join Tunnel of the Towers on its mission to do good. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel of the Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.